Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody. Here we go again. Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Today is a special day because there are going to be back-to-back episodes. Yeah, that's right. You're going to get two in a row. Right. Two in a row. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. We're going to take one, and then we're going to follow it by another one, which is going to make two in a row. (laughs) The first interview, first episode, the one you're going to hear right now, is with Justin Young, the guitarist for the young rock band South of Eden. Now, I don't know about you, but I've waited a long time for there to be some great young, you know, new rock and roll type bands. And uh, South of Eden is one of them. They've come along. They've got the guitar back in the music. It's it's pure rock and roll. It is. It's in your face. It's really good. Uh, Justin is, is a young guy. He's extremely talented and the band is smoking, smoking hot. So you're going to enjoy this. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, zip my pie hole right at this moment. And here you go, man. Justin Young of South of Eden. Justin. Is this Jimmy? It is. This Justin. Yes, sir. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Uh, just, uh, Getting pulling in home from a, uh, a little late day at work here. Sorry for my tardiness. Nah, it's okay, man. I'm sure you're not used to that with musicians at all. Oh no, 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 no! They're always on time. <laughs> yeah. no, they're always on time. Most behaved, well-behaved people I know. Right. Oh yeah, the musicians, right? We're like little church boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're in Ohio, aren't you? Yeah. Where are you about? Yeah, we're out. I'm outside of Chicago. Oh, okay. So not too far, about five and a half hour, five hours some change. Yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. And we're gonna Very cool. we're gonna talk about you as a player. All right, man. We're gonna talk about you and your gear and you know just everything that encompasses that. And then we'll talk a little bit about the band and in the uh, dancing with fire and that. Okay. Yeah, sounds perfect, man. Cool, man. So uh, you know, I, I, how old are you, by the way, Justin? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I am 27. 27, okay. So you're a young guy compared to an old guy like me. But, uh, you know, everybody's got a, a place that they start, you know. Where was that for you? I mean, who was the the main influences that led you to pick up the guitar in the beginning? Well, it's funny. There's, there's, um, there's, two, there's two big ones for me. And um, it would be it – would, it's ironic that we're talking uh, – now, um, the, the, the first band that really got me into rock and roll, not necessarily so much guitar, but just got me into rock and roll was ACDC. Yeah. And I, I remember, um, vividly coming home from, from school sometime around middle school. And my dad, my old man was, re- he, you know, he was really into like putting his sound system and his, you know, uh, you know, the big, big screen TV, the flat screen TVs were big coming out when I was in middle school. And, um, he, he was just blaring the live at Donington DVD for like weeks on end. And I remember <laughs> seeing this guy coming out on stage, putting his arm, you know, you know in the schoolboy uniform, putting his arm out to the crowd and the entire crowd just screaming and going into this song called Thunderstruck. And I was just like, I was amazed, you know, I was, I was amazed at the control that he had over the crowd. I was amazed at, you know, the, what their music was doing to people. Um, and then shortly after that, I stumbled upon a DVD called Van Halen Live Without a Net. And when I saw, when I saw Eddie play, um, the opening of that, uh, the opening of that DVD, they, they opened with, um, a Sammy Hagar tune called, um, there's only one way to rock. And yeah, I mean, from that point, I mean, I was glued to the TV until the DVD stopped playing, man. Um, I mean, Eddie was, Eddie was but for all intents and purposes. I mean, he was my guy, like, like so many, so many other guitar players. I mean, I owe him absolutely everything to his body of work and, 
Um, it's just bad, man. It's been a freaking shitty week. I can tell you that much. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's sad news, you know, really sad news. Yeah. I remember I went to my, I was, I was at the very first show that Van Halen did in Chicago in 1978. Wow. 79, excuse me, 79. And I remember back in those days, cause you know, I said I was an old guy back in those days, you'd have to stand outside the ticket master to get tickets. Right, you'd have to wait sure. to get tickets because it wasn't like you could just go online because there was no online. Oh, right, right. You'd call <laughs> in and just order your tickets. <laughs> right. So I remember standing in line for hours outside of the uh, uh, Ticketmaster to get tickets, and then it was at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago, which typically is general admission. And so then I remember standing outside of the Aragon Ballroom for five, five and a half hours to get in. And uh, being about, I would say, probably second row, I guess. It's standing room only, of course. But I was probably, you know, second from the stage, you know, on the right-hand side of the stage, which is where Eddie was at the time, to their very first concert. So, you know, I bought the album based off of the album cover and uh, was a huge fan, just like you, you know. He didn't influence me as a, as a player, but he definitely, you know, was somebody that... Um, you know, you can't go without saying he changed the way guitar is played. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. I will say that I'm I'm eternally envious that you were alive and breathing and walking <laughs> the planet in 1978. Because I swear, I mean, that's like, man, I, I, I have a, I drive a 78 International Scout. So I'm like, I try to live in, in the in retro times as much as I possibly can, man. And um you know, they just, they don't make them like they used to. I mean, there's a lot of players that, that yeah. are around now and that are coming out that they're, that are awesome. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, trying to compare anybody to, I mean, the King, I mean, you can't, you know, you know, you know, good luck. Yeah. You're never going to fill those shoes, but, um, but yeah, man, that was a, that was a really big, that was probably, you know, the biggest, the biggest influence on me, um, at least starting to get going were, were, were those two bands and, and even, you know, coming to right now. I mean, that's, we were just talking, I was just talking about this with Ehab, our singer the other day. It was like, you know, there's one, you know, silver lining that can come out of this. It's like, look at how the music community, look at how the guitar community is reacting to, um, is reacting to this. And, you know, if there's a silver lining, you know, maybe people are inspired to pick up their guitars and relearn their old Van Halen riffs. Cause I know I have been, yeah. I sat down and I, um, have just been trying to woodshed some, some solos that I might not have picked up before. And, um, I'm actually going to do that a little bit tonight just to kind of, if nothing else, I mean, just to get back, just to get down and like practice, you know what I mean? I mean, my God, as a guitar player, you're going to freaking, you're going to learn your, your blues. You're going to learn your, you know, modes. You're going to learn how to write a pop melody. I mean, it's all there in their catalog. Yeah. Yeah. He pretty much, he pretty much did it all. And you know what? And it was, it was, uh, those days back in the seventies, I hate to go back there, but back in the, you know, into the, in the seventies, even going into the very, very early eighties, there was some great, great, you know, musicians, especially great guitar players. And then there just came this whole era where there was no guitar. You know, it's yeah, like, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's like it's kind of it's funny to me how it happened because I, I they were talking about um, Van Halen being like kind of the birth, like the the first big hair band, and I was like reminding people, I was like, you know, if you think about it, you know, why why is that? It's kind of like they happened. And everybody after them for like a period of probably six or seven years had to kind of follow suit, mm -hmm. you know, and while everybody was trying to catch up to Eddie and Dave and all this stuff, like they were already kind of, they were just doing their thing. And, um, you know, the nineties, it was a really interesting thing that happened with grunge and Seattle as a kind of, that was, that was like a re that was kind of like a response or a reaction to, you know, kind of, kind of how the eighties kind of thing got stale there towards the end. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you know, all the you know, people just listening to white snake and warrant and Cinderella and, yeah. you know, all, all having the heavy dose of Bon Jovi and all that stuff, like good music, 
but at a certain point it was kind of it just kind of teetered out and grunge what was so cool about it was the fact that you know it was kind of almost in a, in a weird way what's happening right now is it was almost kind of like the 60s happening again yeah where it was just kind of you know it got it got back to okay we're just plugging our guitar straight into our amps and we're gonna write songs that you know we don't care if they're two minutes long or if they're seven minutes long that you know we're gonna you know you know at that time they were kind of like you know screw guitar solos but there were guys i mean um jerry cantrell you know i mean he was he was playing solos even you know during the grunge era um mike mccready i mean great i mean these guys are great songwriters um and i think for me that's where it starts you know what i mean mean, you can put a, a, a killer guitar solo in any song but you know, it's especially in today's day and age, I mean, most people aren't going to sit through a three and a half minute song just to get to a 20 second solo and go, oh my God, that's a great solo. <laughs> you know, usually <laughs> it's like the song's good. And then if the solo is good, you know, that's a, that's a little icing on the cake. But, yeah. um, but you know, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, definitely a trend that's coming back. You know, I see like, us, you know, south of Eden, obviously, and, yeah. um, you know, Dirty Honey and Greta Van Fleet and Joyous Wolf. And, you know, these these bands are, are coming back out and starting to play guitar solos. It's, again, it's like it's a really awesome, it's an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it It's one of the reasons that, you know, uh, I've been interviewing a lot of bands like yours because there's been this void. At least it feels like a void. You know, it feels like there's been this void, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's like a whole slew of them coming out. You know, not just not just straight ahead rock bands like you guys, but also some of the, you know, southern guys. You know, like Georgia Thunderbolts and you know Magnolia Bayou, and you know people like that too. Young cats that are, you know, actually making really good music. And so, um, but I got to ask you when. When you were back at that time and you were first getting influenced by Eddie Van Halen and Angus Young and that, were you playing guitar or did they influence you to pick it up to begin with? Um, it was kind of, yes. Okay. <laughs> answer that question. It was like a little bit of both. So my first, my very first instrument was actually the drums. Ah. And that was because the only musician that was in my family was my uncle and he was a drummer and he was just the biggest you know rush freak that you'll ever find and so my thanksgivings and christmases were spent you know walking you know going to uncle john's and you know walking through the garage and you can hear oh yeah he's playing subdivisions in the basement you know and and (laughs) and that's kind so that was my first real introduction to music even before acdc even before van halen so um you know, picked up the drums a little bit, you know, got to a point where it was like, it was fun. I, I always had all this It's kind of where I started to relate to Angus was I had all this like energy cooped up, you know what I mean? And I just like, man, this guy's like running all over the place. He's playing these notes. He looks like he's just having a ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, my dad, you know, he picked up the guitar. He was strumming it a little bit when I was a kid, but he was a lefty. So one day I go and I'm like, okay, I think I'll pick up, you know, let me pick up dad's guitar really quick. And I just remember it felt really freaking weird. I'm like, this doesn't feel so, I I actually had like the opposite Jimi Hendrix experience where my dad had the lefty guitar and I picked it up and I wanted to flip it around because I'm like, well, no, this feels way better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he he wound up um, one day for, I got a little, um, you know, a little episode, you know, hundred dollar episode must fall for christmas i think it was uh i believe that was seventh grade um christmas so i would have been about 12 um so i was playing i was playing you know i was plucking chords by the time that came around but when i saw eddie that's when i was like okay i've got to start figuring this so that's when it became an obsession yeah yeah so uh uh, when you when you were first starting out like that though, did uh, did you take any lessons or are you completely self taught? Um, I did take a couple lessons starting out um, with a, a guy named Jerry Luce, um here local at Columbus, Ohio, um, and he he was really cool in the sense of like he didn't force me to to you know I didn't go in there and 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 you know say. Hey, 
here, I want to be a guitar player. And he's like, okay, you got to sit down and you got to learn Mary had a little lamb and you got to learn, you know, your scales and you got to do this. I was just, I went in there and I was like, Hey, will you teach me how to play Panama? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'll teach you how to play Panama. You know what I mean? And it was, and that was the first, like, that's when I realized and I made the connection that there was this, this playing music is a very human expression. It's not, even though when you look at some of these guys, it looks so effortless and they look so, um, perfect in their playing it's at the same time like it's played by that noise is made by a human being you know they put mm-hmm. their pants on the same way that you know we do so to sit there and have the experience of watching somebody put a cd on and listening to it and then looking at the music because i think i probably would have showed up with like a you know a you know booklet that i got from guitar center or whatever you know some tabs in it and to watch somebody not only play whatever was in front of them, but also be able to see something in front of them and then line it up with their ear and go, Oh no, see, this is notated wrong. Yeah. And then, and then say like, you have, you can't do, you know, you can't just go off of your ear or go off of, you know, what you're seeing in front of you. Sometimes it's a little bit of both and you have to use kind of your own logic and reasoning and putting it together. So when I saw Jerry, when I saw he was able to do that, that was a big, that was a big defining moment for me as a young player was making that connection of like, Oh no, I, I can get to this. Yeah. And so now, I mean, over the, you know, the, the past, however many years, did you go on to, to give lessons to other people? Do you, do you invest in other people like that? I have here and there and yeah. there's, um, it's actually funny. I was just doing a podcast about um, a week or two ago and the guy I was doing it with, he was like, man, my son's really into guitar and he's, you know, listening to your music a lot. He really wants to know how to play Dancing with Fire. And I'm like, dude, have him, you know, have him send me. And he, he was like, well, he's already sent a message on Instagram. I felt, I felt like I was, I thought, like I had been had. I was like, oh no. I was like, I was like, I can't believe I didn't, you know, I saw it and I didn't, you know, respond to him. Thankfully, it was, it was just kind of, I got lost in the shuffle or whatever. And I, yeah. you know, I'm actually going to do a little, a little Skype lesson with him here. Um, when we get our when we get our time linked up in a week or two, I never really got to a point where I took on a bunch of students yeah. um, at one time, just because it's not as much as I hate to say it. Teaching's never really been like a passion of mine. Right. Um, I've just been kind of so wrapped up in my own little world. Um, but it's something where I, I have done in the past, where I give you know you know friends you know brothers and sisters lessons and um i've had a cut you know you know just little little things here and there but you know if if a fan comes to me and is like hey man i've i've been inspired by your song i really like it there's this part that i can't really figure it out it's like man i'm gonna anytime that i have the opportunity to give back like that i'm gonna do it you know yeah that see that's really cool that's you know that's one of the things that seems to be uh pretty uh common in a lot of the newer in you know pardon the phrase younger bands is that they they seem to be uh a lot more open uh to their to their fan base in other words you know what a lot of the guys that i talk to yeah i want to shake hands with everybody i want to talk to everybody you know somebody wants to you know know something you know i want to i want to connect with them on media and all that kind of stuff as opposed to, you know, at one point in time, and, and even now with some of the other players, I mean, it's, that's hard to do, you know, and I get it, you know, you get real busy at some point in time that you can't do that with everybody, but uh, it, it's that's a great habit to have, you know, it really is, that says a lot about your character as well. Well, and, you know, I don't know if it's any, if it's a direct correlation of the times and, and you know, yeah. that's being in the social media age and, you know, my generation being so um i don't know if you want to call it tech savvy or whatever you know just just kind of keeping ourselves out there in social media where it's just i don't know if it's embedded in us anymore or if we've just had guys like eddie van halen and neil perd come through and have changed the game so much where we go all right well i'm not changing the game anymore after that so (laughs) i don't have to hide any of my (laughs) i don't have to hide any of my you know tricks or anything i'm not reinventing the wheel so it's probably a combination of a lot and i think just realizing that I didn't have the opportunity to do that so much when I was younger. I mean, the, there was one guy now I will say, um, I did pay for it. So it was not something that just happened by, by chance, but 
somebody who I haven't, and I haven't really seen any other players do this um, that I've known of, but um, I, when, I, when I was in school going to the Berkeley College of Music, I, I went to um, see an Alter Bridge show, and Mark Schumani is one of my favorite kind of 21st century guitar players. Um, I don't, I mean, put his work ethic alone up there with, with anybody. Um, cause I mean, if you listen to his first couple Creed records, the guy, I don't even know that he had a guitar solo on those albums. And then he gets to alter bridge and his solo stuff. And he's freaking, I mean, he's just, just a shredding monster. So, yeah. um, he was doing something really cool where it was kind of like partial meet and greet, partial rig run down tour part, like, but also guitar lessons. Yeah. And, um, I would got to go and take my guitar and, you know, show up to a gig early with a couple other people and, um, take a lesson. And I was just so taken back by how humble he was, how he, you know, he could immediately read that everybody in the room was kind of tense and kind of like, Oh shit, we're about to get a lesson with Mark Schmati. And he just, the second he walked in, he immediately calmed everybody's nerves. Everybody made everybody feel like, you know, he, you know, you were just hanging out having a beer with the guy or something, you know, and, and, that really made an impression on me. And that was something like, okay, this is, this could be, you know, somebody I'd like to emulate myself at and, and giving back that way. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, when, you know, as, as you're developing yourself as a uh, player, you know, and you're coming into the band now, you know, you got the band and stuff like that. How did you uh, determine, you know, what kind of sound that you were going to go for? I mean, were you trying to, originally emulate somebody else or are you trying really hard to you got something in your own head that you're trying to dial in or or how did you come you know to land on the sound that you have right now i think a lot of it none of it was really contrived you know the, yeah. the only thing that i really know for a fact was contrived since the day one was just we're not going to follow the rule book you know we had all been in, in bands and you know, or school and, and had people say, well, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to land a record deal if you, you know, record without a click track or, you know, nobody's going to listen to your songs, you know, if, um, you know, that the, there's no hole in the kick drum and the drums aren't tuned to the wrinkle point, you know, and it's like, we were kind of like, yeah, well, that might be true, but, you know, we don't have a record deal, deal still, and we tried it everybody else's way, so I think we're going to do it our way now. <laughs> so, you know, it was just something that, like, we we were really big when Tommy McCullough, the drummer, and I had been in a band previously, and he had been in a band previously with Ehop while I was in school, not at the same time. Um, and when I came back, like, we just jammed one night, and it was, I mean, it was like instant you know, just, just like, wow, like, where has this been? You know, if I had been in school for three years at that point, I was like, this is the most fun I've had playing music in the last three or four years. There's something wrong with that picture. And, you know, I guess to answer your question, you know, we, when we very first started off, um, you know, we were just writing what came out of us, you know, and, and still to this day, we're just kind of trying to actualize the sounds that are in our head, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, it's funny, we'll get inspired by, you know, a lot of times I'll get inspired to write a riff just by having a drum beat get stuck in my head all day. But the whole idea of the drum beat came from Tommy because he was playing it at the end of our practice the other day. And it's some weird, you know, that's my favorite thing to do when, with songwriting is when we have, you know, Ehab and I have like a, a skeleton structure and, you know, we go and present a song, you know, to Tommy, you will have kind of like an idea of what the groove or the feel or the drums are going to do. And then he just comes in and does like the least, the, the, the last thing that you would have expected, you know, to go on that, that riff. And we start looking at you like, oh man, that's really freaking cool. Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a way we've, we've kind of just given ourselves, allowed ourselves the freedom to do what we want and not, you know, not worry about trying to sound like anybody else. Yeah. Now, a lot of guys are going to want to know, you know, uh, you know, what your rig is like. If they were to come see you live, now, what kind of guitar you're playing? What kind of amp you're playing? Are you, pl are you plugging straight into the amp? Do you got a pedal board? And, and if you do, you know, what are your, 
your go-tos. So I've got, um, I do have a pedal board. Um, it's, it's pretty bare bones to be honest with you. I've got a, a TC electronic hall of fame reverb, um, that I love and I would really recommend to anybody. I, anybody who's looking for a good reverb to run through their, um, to run through their loop that, that TC electronic hall of fame is awesome. Um, and then the only other thing that I've got going through my loop is um, a chorus ensemble pedal and a phase 90. And those are really just kind of used as um, extra texture, really, anytime I just want to have a little extra flair on stage, whether it's for a solo or if I'm playing a, you know, something a little bit cleaner, like the verse to the song, the talk, if you've heard that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just just to spice just to spice it up a little bit, make you know, give it a little bit something. But right now, and it's probably it's probably going to change um, only because I love the rig that I'm running right now, but it's it's kind of a pain <laughs> to set up, and it's kind of complex. So I'm I'm using two 50 watt heads, and I'm using um, an EVH 5153 with the six L six tubes in it. Yeah. And then I'm running the 5153 with the EL34s in it. Nah. So now I've got both of those running through an AB box. Mm-hmm. And both of those, when I play live, both of those amps are always on. So right. I'm never switching, like, between the amps themselves. But they're, they're all, but the amps are always on. So now what I have and what I love about my setup is having the freedom. I have two foot channel selectors, one for each head on my pedal board. So, for example, a lot of times, probably, I want to say probably 70% of the set is probably played with both of the, the, you know, grit channels, the second channel, so not the totally dirty, you know, lead channel, but the crunch channels. Um, I've got about 70% of my set is used on those settings, but also it gives me the freedom to, you know, what sounds really cool is leaving the, you know, leaving the 6L6 version, you know, on the dirty channel, but then I'm going to flip the EL34 head over in the clean channel. Mm. So I've got one head running a little dirty and one head running. It gives this kind of like Angus and Malcolm kind of thing going on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only thing that sucks about the setup that I'm running right now is that it's a it's a lot of power and it is frying my tubes so fast. <laughs> so like I I'm going to have to figure out how to um how to kind of, I'm, I'm I'm tinkering with it. I'm constantly constantly changing stuff um, in the studio. We had, when we were recording, we did this album at Sunset Sound Studios in L.A., and our producer, Greg Wells, who's an amazing human being, he brought all of this, his, you know, I mean, his life-treasured gear to, you know, for us to use. So I'm in there freaking recording with a 1953, you know, Fender Telecaster, not the reissue, an actual 1953 Fender Telecaster and a... 68, you know, 335 and just, um, all these, I mean, any sound that you would want to get. And the, the real challenge of that is trying to recreate it live. And, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that I'll say about the 5150 amps is they have the, the, they have that really cool, if you get the 6L6 version, the clean tone, the clean channel has, it's very similar to a Fender clean because it's, you know, it's obviously yeah. EVHs through Fender. So you can get that kind of really thin um, Fender vibe going on on the 6L6. But man, I was blown away when I, when I got my EL34 version. I knew that the dirty channels were going to feel a little bit more closer to that British kind of Marshall vibe. But I was not expecting how freaking awesome the clean channel on that EL34 version sounds. Because it's, I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, you know, a Marshall or an Orange or something. And it's just, they pair so well together. And those amps can really do anything. Um, as far as guitars go, um, I'm just, I know I'm just sound like the the <laughs> Eddie Van Halen freak here, but I am. I mean, he's really like he kind of like. 
Les Paul to me, to be honest with you. Um, I've got a, a PV American Made Wolfgang that I use as my main guitar, um, and that guitar, you know, the guys when I when I you know when I started we started the band together, they'd always kind of joke. I'm like, man, you got like you're not going to really use like a signature guitar player's guitar, are you? And I'm like, show me a better guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I mean, Les Pauls are awesome, but and here, here's here's what did it for me. So when I was at Berkeley, I, and I I love jazz. I, I you will be hard pressed to show me a genre of music that I do not like or cannot find something good or something to appreciate about. And and I love jazz. So I was I was going through the jazz stuff at Berkeley and. There was one professor, man, he freaking, I mean, he, this guy, he was like 72 years old. He'd been around the scene forever. He was one of the top, like, Cleveland cats. And, I mean, he was just grumpy, man. He was he was just grumpy. <laughs> he hated anything that wasn't jazz. He hated any player that wasn't, you know, if they weren't into jazz, if they weren't West Montgomery or Django, like, they sucked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he was just one of those guys. But he freaking one day, I, he was, t- I walk into our class and he's talking about Van Halen and the fire that they have. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm like, you trash talk rock and roll music for the last year and a half. And I walk in here and now you're talking about, I'm, I'm just now finding out that you love Van Halen. Like, what's wrong with you? But I went and um, when I actually auditioned, um, I had learned i'm the one off of their first album and i had notated the the whole song yeah. and i had brought in a couple standards i had learned autumn leaves and blue vasa and when i played that for those guys because the first one i did was i'm the one so it was all loud and you know guitars or whatever and so i think they were kind of expecting oh this is just another you know this is just another rock and roll kid trying to get into berkeley so I was like, well, we can do Blue Boss or Autumn Leaves. Which one would you like to do? And they looked at me and they were like, well, well, let's, you know, let's do Blue Boss. And the guy goes, do you want to, do you want to do anything to your, you know, setup first? And it like took me up. But I was like, I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he was like, I don't, you're, are you going to play Blue Boss like that? And I was like, oh no, dude. I'm like, I cleaned this up. This is just fine. And I rolled my, my tone knob to about four. Yeah. And I, and I left it on the clean channel and these jazz, I mean, these dudes were like floored at the sound that I was getting out of that guitar, that Wolfgang. Um, it really can do anything, man. It really can. Um, the, the other, the other couple guitars that I have, I have this, um, Charvel. It's an, it's, it's a DK24. So it's got the Seymour Duncans in it and it's got the, it's got a caramelized maple fretboard, which I love. That's the one. I mean, the biggest thing for me is finding fretboards that have that are unfinished, have no lacquer on it. I can't. I just I sweat so freaking much when I play on stage. Yeah. That anytime I get that sweat in my hands, like and it, and it goes up against the lacquer, it feels awful. It's just, it just creates all this friction. I just hate it. Um. So I flip between those two a lot. Um. I also have a Fender, um, American made, you know, just a regular kind of Fender American strap that I, that I pull out a couple times. But, um, yeah, one of these days when I get, when I get my, uh, probably here within the next couple of months, I'll be getting, um, a less and a really nice Les Paul. I haven't decided what color yet. So maybe you can help me with that. I'm like, I'm, I'm down <laughs> to like, uh, I really, it's like, you can't go wrong with a gold top, but also, the freaking wine red. There's something about the wine red I really, really like, and I don't see a whole lot of guys. I don't see a whole lot of guys with the with the wine red Les Pauls anymore for whatever reason. No, no. I know all the ones I have are all burst. There's some form of burst, you know, honey yeah. burst or whatever, you know, cherry burst, and yeah. I, I'm not a I'm not a big Gibson guy myself, and then I I've actually got um, I've got a couple of the uh, Wolfgangs. And I got some Charvel Sam Dimas, uh, okay. which are great guitars. But I'd always been a Fender guy, you know, for, you know, the 18 plus years that I toured. And that I, that's mostly what I played was Fender. But over the last, I don't know, year or so, I, I switched and I went to an Ibanez Prestige. And, oh. and I tell you what, it's got the, you know, the fire roasted maple neck and stuff like that. I actually, sure. I, I normally don't buy... Like, uh, I'm not a guy who goes out and buys a signature model from anybody, right? 
but sure. but I got the Tom Quayle signature prestige, and I'm telling you, man, that guitar is so friggin' nice. Oh, yeah. I bet I I, I had um, yeah. Schofield's guitar is done by Ibanez too, isn't it? Uh, well, I've never seen him play an Ibanez personally, but okay, okay. I, Andy, Maybe I'm thinking I'm Andy, thinking of something else. You though. might be thinking of Andy Timmons. Oh, okay, that's who, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I'm sorry, not Schofield, duh. Um, what yeah. is Schofield? Does he use those, like, Dan Electros now or something? He's I've seen him, I feel like, use just about everything over the years. But yeah. I could have swore there was something more recently that I saw him was using an Ibanez, and it kind of took me by surprise. But yeah, I no, could be wrong. Now, he had always pretty much been a, a Fender 2-Rock guy. You know, um, you know, he used okay. two, two rock amps and, and Fender guitars for the most part. I mean, I mean, he's like probably like anybody else, you know, you're going to switch it out every now and then. But I know uh, there was a, a guy named Chad Mangrum that was uh, one of the designers at Two Rock and he split and he started making his own uh, amps called uh, the Sine Wave. It's what they were called, and uh, Matt went with the sine wave, but he ended up going back to two rock because, you know, for for that jazzy bluesy kind of stuff, man, two rock makes a great amp. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you're hard pressed to find something better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they make really good stuff. So, yeah. So I, I got to ask you, you know, uh, what's been one of the the biggest challenges for you as a guitar player, you know, in your in your quest to get where you are and in where you're trying to go well i i think that the biggest thing is 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 probably dealing with um what everybody else deals with who's a human being it is just that it's just self-doubt you know and and um you know you go through you go through times where you you know you feel like you've you've you know, taking 10 steps forward in just a couple of hours and then you have times where you're like you know, your six months, you know, just, just flew by a year, you know, just flew by and you're, you're looking at yourself like, man, I feel like I haven't gained anything. I feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm running out of licks. You know what I mean? Like we all hate that feeling. Like when we get to our, so we're two hours into our jam sessions and we're pulling out the same licks and we're going, Oh my God, I got nothing. So it's, 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 we all hit those, yeah. those walls and I still hit them and I'm going to keep hitting them. And the, the, the most important thing is to just remind yourself that, you know, everybody's been there, man. And, and I think the most, you know, that's been the biggest challenge for me is just to not give up. Because it's so, I mean, it's, it's, it's so easy to do it, right? I mean, it's so easy to just say, you know what, no, this is really hard. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just, you know, I've gotten to this point, no big deal. You know, I'll... You know, this is good enough. You know, I think you just have to be able to have that that drive and just that mental that mental acuity to go. Okay, I don't care about you know, I don't care about how good this guy's gotten or where these guys are at right now in their careers. I'm just going to care about you know what I can control and who I am and what I'm going to be. Yeah. You know, that's that was probably the biggest challenge for me was when I was um, got out of high school and I was going through um, Berkeley, you know, everybody that was there, a lot, I won't say everybody and generalize it that way, but the majority of the people that were there were really focused on their own self-practice, which is awesome. You know, that's, that's what the, you know, that's what the school was there for. It gives you the opportunity to do nothing but practice your instrument nine hours a day if you want to. Um, but the flip side of that coin was that, you know, they didn't, you know, there wasn't like a huge onus on, okay, let's go and start a band. Let's go and, and book a gig at this place and sell tickets to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's such a huge, that's such a huge part. Like, cause trust me, I've done it. I've done it so many times, you know, where you go and you print your tickets yourself and you bust, you know, your, your balls to get, you know, to get 15 tickets sold. And then you, you get there and there's only 12 people at the gig and you're like, where's the, where are the rest of the three people? And you're like, <laughs> Oh my God, you do all that work just for 20 tickets. And, you know, then at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the manager is going, yeah, give me the money. And, you know, here's your, you know, here's your, uh, 
here's your two drink ticket, you know what I mean? And, right. and you're on your way. So it's, it's like the, just overcoming those hurdles and realizing that at some point you're going to have your opportunity. My favorite thing, my favorite saying in life is, you know, there's no such thing as luck. It's only when opportunity and preparation meet and it could be you know tomorrow it could be in a month it could be freaking 20 years from now but at some point an opportunity is going to present itself to anybody who wants to you know put their nose put their nose down and work and get better and i you know that's that's what it you know that's the way it happened for me and i gotta I got to keep working, man. It ain't over. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's we all it, try to get better. That's the way it is for anybody. You know, you just got to, you just continually grow and, you know, suck in, or sponge up, I should say, you know, as much good stuff from, you know, as many players as you possibly can and, uh, and stay positive and, you know, be a good guy, you know, because, you know, being somebody that's toured with, you know, uh, I, I've toured, you know, like Buddy Miles and Chaka Khan and people like that. And, uh, wow. and in those cases like that, you know, people would rather work with somebody that's a good player. That's, that's, that's good to work with, easy to work with, you know, a genuinely nice person, as opposed to somebody who's flat out friggin' amazing. And, uh, you know, you can't work with them at all because, of whatever reason there is and uh you know and staying humble like that and just focused on you know growing because you know where you are as a player now you know 10 years from now you'll be completely different you know oh, what I absolutely mean? yeah you, you never completely... know yeah what's gonna who's gonna influence you along the way and who you know you know what's gonna happen i mean the other thing that I would say is is to, is to open your you know open yourself up to other genres. Yeah. I mean, I would have you know to, today one of my favorite guitar players and some of my favorite music to go over and shed on is Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed. Yeah. I mean, I would I would have never you know stumbled upon those guys if it weren't for you know going to going to Berkeley and having them force me to actually you know, go into, Hey, here's, here's your, your first ensemble, you know, good luck. And I'm like going like, okay, who are these guys? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then I find out that, holy crap, Jerry Reed is like one of the greatest guitar players, like on the, <laughs> on the block. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, somebody that you ought to check out if you don't know about already is a gentleman by the name of Mark Goldenberg. Okay. Mark Goldenberg played guitar for Jackson Brown, but he also played for Linda Ronstadt and Bonnie Raitt and Willie Nelson and just a whole slew of people. And if you go to Spotify or, or one of those streams and you look at, you look up his thing, he's got two albums and they're all instrumental stuff. One's almost acoustic and one's, you know, just a like a, a, a three piece ensemble. But his music is is flat out amazing. He is uh, he is a great great player, and he's one of those guys that you know a lot of people don't know about. And what was the last name again? Goldenberg. Goldenberg. Okay. Yeah, well, I Mark, won't remember that. Yeah. I'll have to go look him up right now. Actually. Yeah, there's some great players out there, man. That you know are kind of <laughs> hidden gems that a lot of people don't know about. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're, they're everywhere. I mean you go back to. I mean, you know, what, what's really cool to me about, you know, you said back in the day, you know, back in the 70s, 60s, 50s, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, there was really, there was no way to hide back then. That's what I loved about it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if you were, if you were good on the album, chances are you're pretty good when you go to see, you know, you go to see them live. And to today's world, it's really, weird because like you can make an album in your bedroom on your computer or hell on your iphone now you know what i mean but there's there's not really a way to differentiate between those the the guys and girls who can play those notes and the ones who can't you know it's it's really hard so any any like i mean my gosh any steely dan album any you know, oh, yeah. uh, Manfred Mann album, any like anything of that that you're you're listening to back in the day, where they would have just you know rotational, you know, 
bring in the next guy, bring in the next guy, bring in the next guy. Like, and they're all so freaking good. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, and that's why I feel so lucky and blessed and humbled to be in the situation where I'm in, where I'm like, dude, I'm like looking around at all these other great guitar players. I'm like, how the hell did they pick me? Like, I got this, I got the record <laughs> contract. Like, man, I got a lot of work to do. You know, that's, but that's really what it feels like for me because, you know, it's, it's not, it, you know, I can speak on behalf of, you know, the rest of the guys too in our band. And it's like, you know, we don't, you know, there's, there's nothing kind of phony about us. You know what I mean? We're, we're trying to, there would be no greater gift to be in life and to be, you know, on our, on our, on our way through our careers here and, you know, take all the, any act, any, you know, BS accolades, like awards and stuff like that and just shove it in the can. What I want, I want to, I want to make Sammy Hagar go, holy shit, did you hear what that guitar player just played? Yeah. Or I want to, I want to make, you know, or make Angus Young, like, roll back 30 seconds on one of our tunes because he had to hear it again. You know what I mean? Like that, that, those are the guys that I want to, I want to be in that, you know, in that, I guess, club, so to speak. We don't really try to be in anybody's club, but we're trying to, to, you know, emulate the same type of impact that our heroes had on us without trying to, you know, just copy their line of work, you know? Right. Right. Well, you guys are well on your way. You know, the uh, the album that you got out is great. The music is really good. You know, um, you, you know, even for an old guy like me, you know, it it, uh, it perked my ears the first time I heard it, you know, and uh, I've been listening to it pretty regularly ever since. It's on my playlist. And, well, I appreciate it, man. That yeah. means a lot. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, and you're a good player, and you know what, and you're going to continue to get better and better and better, and so is the band. And I'm just glad I got an opportunity to talk to you before you know you are Angus Young, and you won't talk to me no more. Hey, if I, <laughs> let me tell you what: if I get to that point, I will take your call. Please, just just you call me whenever you want, and go. Hey, you told I you told me you would talk to me after this, and you're not talking to me. I promise you, I will call you gladly. Yeah. Gladly. Well, Justin, I appreciate you taking some time and and chatting with me. It really means a lot, and I'm sure that uh, you know I'm glad I get to expose you know uh, bands like yours to to my audience. You know because it's pretty eclectic. Um, you know, there's a lot of players from all different walks of life that come on my show. Everybody from Larry Carlton to Paul Gilbert. You know so. Uh, oh, I, I was looking down the, down the list uh, just yesterday before I just to kind of prepare myself for the call a little bit, and I'm I'm looking at these guys and I'm going like, oh gee, I'm like, you guys, you know, I, I hate to all, I, not to make the guys sound bad, but they're not guitar players, and I'm going through naming off these names, and I'm like, I don't know who that is, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, well, let me tell you, <laughs> these guys are fuck, these guys are are killer freaking players, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been such an honor for for uh, you to have me on here and and like I said at any time that that uh, anytime you want to chat, man, just just you got my number and and I appreciate your listeners taking the time as well. I appreciate it. Now, do, can you do me a favor before we get off the phone? Can you can yeah. you can you give me a plug for my show? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, all you got to do is just say your name and say you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Yeah, absolutely. I'm recording. You can do it anytime you want. Hey, guys, this is Justin Young from South of Eden, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Very good, Justin. Man, I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Jimmy. I really appreciate it. That was fun. That was great. We got to get uh, one of our one of our top um, one of our top streamed um, cities in America right now is actually Chicago. And it's been it has actually been Chicago going back to our previous black coffee days. So it's like, we're just waiting. We're just waiting for the word to say, okay, you guys can get out of Ohio and go play some shows. And Chicago is going to be one of the first stops, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, you know what? I got a theater that's in central Illinois. That would be a really good routing date, not an anchor date, but it'd be a really good routing date, about 400 seats in that. Okay. And, uh, you know, just let me know when you're going to be coming this way or something. And, uh, you know, 
Maybe I could throw a date at you or something. Yeah, absolutely. What was the what's the uh, town? It's in Danville. Okay. It's in central Illinois. It's a historic theater called the Fisher Theater. The Fisher. Yeah, they seat about about 400, 500 people. But it'd be a good thing to get a couple of bands, you know, a couple of bands like you. You know sure, what I sure, mean? Sure, sure. You know, to, to come have th- a link up on a little uh, kind of driving through the state date. That's all. Right. Like that, you're, pl- you're playing in Chicago and you're on your way to St. Louis or Indy or something like that. It's a nice little routing date. You know, to, yeah, that's perfect. To catch in, and yeah, you probably do really well. Well, that's awesome, man. I just took a note down there right now for that. I'm going to send that probably to my manager here tonight. So I appreciate it so much, Jimmy. And if I yeah. uh, if I don't talk to you soon, I'll have to I'll link up with you on Facebook or something. And um, I appreciate you taking the time. You bet. Take care, man. All right, later. You yep. too. All right, everybody. There you go, Justin Young from South of Eden. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I want to thank Justin Young uh, for coming on the show. Make sure you go into SouthofEden.com, checking out their music, um, see what tour dates that they have for 2021 that might be popping up, because hopefully, you know, those things are going to start happening again real, real soon. So my thanks to Justin. And just so you know, right after this episode, I'm going to have another episode with Dylan Palomero from the band Magnolia Bayou. I know it's a mouthful right there, but you're really going to enjoy this. Once again, another great young player. Uh, in a great up-and-coming band, uh, these guys, man, they take a mixture of, I don't know, rock and, you know, southern rock and country and bayou stuff, and they throw it all together, and they come out with some stuff that's really pretty friggin' cool. So Dylan Palmero of Magnolia Bayou is going to be on next. want to make sure that you're following me on all aspects of social media, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, and then also Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook. Make sure that you're going to our website and subscribing to our mailing list so that you don't miss out on anything. It's Jimmy Warren Official and GuitarTalkOfficial.com. And just so you know, starting January 1st, we got a brand new website that's going to launch. Uh, a lot of great new aspects to uh, to the th- to the show. There's going to be some uh, gear demos. There's going to be spotlights on gear, spotlights on, you know, on artists and guitarists and, you know, players and techs and um, a lot of really, really cool stuff, including opportunities for bands and artists and players and companies and products and that to be able to uh, advertise their products, you know, and their releases and that on our website as well. All that information is going to be there. It's going to be a great thing. And one of the things we're going to do to kick that off is is that we're going to do a contest. We're going to throw it out there, man. We're going to offer a backing track. We're going to give some guys an opportunity to uh, play to that track, submit it to us, and then we're going to choose who did the best job. We're going to post them so that people can see you guys doing your thing, you know, to our entire uh, fan base, which is going to be really cool. And you're going to get the opportunity to win something really amazing. We're going to announce all that on January 1st. So make sure you're checking it out. We want to thank you again. Make sure you're sticking around for the next episode of Guitar Talk, which is going to happen right after this with Dylan Palomero of Magnolia Bayou. Until then, man, just stay safe and cool, okay? Later.